Hi, and welcome to the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast, co-hosted by Abby Fearing, the Badass Breastfeeder, and Diane Cassidy, IBCLC. Hey, welcome to the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast. This is Diane Cassidy, your lactation consultant. And this is Abby, the Badass Breastfeeder. So we are going to do um, two more questions today. And I know last week we did a question. We talked about um, distracted babies, which is a big thing. So we did a whole half an hour on distracted babies, which was fun. Got to relive that. <laughs> and this week we've got two more questions for you, which are really interesting too. So, And they're actually from the same person. Oh, I didn't realize so, that. Yeah. So she has two. Christy has two questions. All right, and Christy. So we'll take them one at a time. All right. So breastfeeding in relation to adoption, like getting donated milk for adopted babies versus formula feeding. Also, even more important, though, I'm really curious about both of your thoughts on moms breastfeeding adopted babies. My wife and I don't have kids yet, but we're we're to that point of starting to try. I'd really like to. I'd really like to be pregnant and give birth and breastfeed at least once, but we want to adopt, too. So, especially since I'd like to breastfeed for a while, I keep thinking maybe I could birth our first and we could adopt after that and I could then get to breastfeed those babies too. But here are things I haven't worked out. If we end up with an older baby, is it okay to start a breastfeeding relationship? Like, I'm fine breastfeeding a child till they're five or six or whatever age, but if you're adopting and starting a breastfeeding relationship after the first day of life, is there an age where a child will be too old to start breastfeeding. I'm thinking developmentally and psychologically and practically, there may be a point when they're not capable of latching anymore. Another question, will my body make enough milk for an infant if I still have a milk supply from breastfeeding a toddler, but I didn't actually give birth to the second child? Like, once the baby starts feeding, will my body figure it out? I know there's all these hormones going on when you're actually pregnant and then you give birth and all that gets your milk going more, even if you were still breastfed, still breastfeeding an older sibling. But what about adoption? Will my body pick up milk production with the backwash of an infant going in the boobs? There are some deep questions so, going on here. There is, first of all, she seems to know a lot about breastfeeding. Yeah. She, she has a lot of good information. She's starting off with some good information. Yes. So, all right. First of all. So where do we start with this? So if you're adopting and you have had a baby before, so say they do have a baby and Christy, right? Christy and her wife have a baby, you know, birth, pregnancy, birth, breastfeed, whatever, done breastfeeding, and then adopt. Mm -hmm. If they adopt an infant... She absolutely could breastfeed that infant. Her body knows how to make milk. It's already made milk. It knows mm-hmm. what to do. The hormonal changes, you know, we can trigger that to make milk again for this baby, even though she didn't birth this baby. Was that, and they, she would do that by pumping and latching the baby on? Yep. She could start pumping. Okay. She could start pumping early. Like if she knew when she was going to get the baby, the time, yeah. she could start pumping. Um, if she knew... Some people will do um, hormone treatments 
and that will help to kind of, you know, get things going. But if you don't want to do that, pumping is a really good stimulant to try to get everything going again, too. And like I said, if your body has done this in the past, it's more likely to remember what to do and, and know how to kick it in. If you've never had mm-hmm. children before, it's a little harder to manipulate it into that direction. Mm-hmm. But still, you probably can do it. But your body remembers. So she would just, I knew somebody actually who had a baby breastfed and then adopted and just started latching the baby when she got her as an adopted baby and just started making milk. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely manageable. You know, you can do it. Even though you didn't birth that baby, you can make the milk for the baby. And I would, I mean, why not try, you know? Yeah. So would you suggest that they have like maybe some donated milk on hand or some formula on hand? To like be supplementing at first, so they get the baby. Yeah, I would. She say doesn't yeah. have any milk. Maybe she's been pumping or something. So would she? Would she kind of be like feeding a little bit and then nursing to try to stimulate the milk production? If well, if they get the baby as a newborn, and mom and mom's been working on getting that supply in, and the milk is in, mm-hmm. the milk is coming, then she probably wouldn't have then to she do that straight off. Yeah. Now, the question that she asked about getting an older child. Now that yes. I am well, that's not, interesting one yeah, I am not sure about that. I don't think, and of course, this is just I'm just guessing here, but knowing how breastfeeding works, and I mean, even thinking about your history with Jack, like, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think there's an age where we say, okay, this is psychologically not right. No. No, but I think she was saying her question was not psychologically. I think she was more saying that they um, I think the more the question was, are they too old to start based on latching? And um, where is it? Is okay. Okay. But here are things I haven't worked out. If we end up with an older baby, is it okay to start a breastfeeding relationship? Like, I'm fine breastfeeding a child till they're five or six or whatever age, but if you're adopting and starting a breastfeeding relationship after the first day of life, is there an age where a child will be too old to start? I think developmentally and psychologically and practically, there may be a point when they're not capable of latching anymore. So she does say psychologically, but then she says practically, and they might be not capable of latching anymore. Psychologically is not an issue. Breastfeeding is not damaging at any age. Mm -hmm. So we're not worried about that. But... I do think she has a valid concern with the ability to latch. Right. Because, I mean, I've been through that. They just, at some point, their mouths are so big and they have so many teeth that, like, latching in order to actually, like, remove milk from the breast becomes less effective. Right. Especially since they've never done it. And now, you've had Jack who's been doing oh, it yeah. all his life. And you've got a kid that's never done it. So... Yeah. I, I right. mean, if you're talking about right. like one years old, two years old, three years old, yeah, but maybe like four to six months, that you could probably do that. Yeah. But you are right to be concerned if a child maybe over, what would you say? Well, we don't know. We don't know exactly. Yeah. You're going to have to. Maybe each baby is different. But yeah, if they're older, it's absolutely true that they might not be able to latch. And that's normal. You know, nothing you can do about that. No. It's just at some point they just can't latch anymore. Now, one of the other things that I have seen adoptive mothers do if they can't get a full milk supply is to use a supplemental nurser. Yes. 
Yes. Tell us what that is. Yes. So a supplemental nurser is this cool device that you can either wear around your neck with the tubing or you can like attach it to your bra strap and the tubing goes very thin tubing. There's a little reservoir and you put breast milk or formula in there and little tubing that feeds it down through and you can attach the tubing like just with a piece of like medical tape or whatever to the breast at the nipple. So when the baby latches on, they're getting the tubing and the breast and then they're drawing liquid from that tubing. So it's like, it's like breastfeeding, but having the, the fluid come from somewhere else. And that's a great way to keep the baby at the breast and also make sure that they're getting what they need too. Yep. That's really cool. That is definitely an option. And you can even use it with formula, right? Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you do need, I would say definitely work with somebody um, with that, but it's a great, great option. And then you can have. Yeah. I think probably what she's going to want like right off when, 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 when she's pregnant or when the adoption is becoming finalized or whatever, you have an idea of when the baby's coming, you're going to want a lactation consultant. Yeah. I would say find one and have them walk you through this process. Yeah. And just give you the support. I mean, because it's one of those things where it's like, okay, is this going to work or is this not going to work? You know, I mean, you might be trying to get this milk supply going again after two years of not breastfeeding or anything and, you know, kind of feel like, okay, is this going to work? But you need a cheerleader for sure. I mean, everybody Mm -hmm. needs one anyway, but don't feel like because you're not birthing this baby, you don't need the support. Right. Yeah. So you can do it. Yeah. Everything that you're asking and that you want to do, you can do. Like we talked about there might be problems if they're old and, and aren't aren't able to latch, but but you people have done all of the things that you're wanting to do. Yes. And I think um she does mention in the beginning very briefly about donor milk. Mm-hmm. She mentioned that, right? No, no she, she did. did. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um that is I think that's a really important piece too. And I think if you want donor milk get that set up, you know, find some donors, find some people that are willing to give you donor milk, um, you know, kind of get that going ahead of time. If you want to try to give as much breast milk as possible. Yeah, that's a great idea. And it's, you know, that's always, that's always preferred. You know. Doing- yeah. I have a story on my blog of a, of a gay couple, um, two men who adopted a baby from a woman and she pumped for this baby for like a year. Oh my gosh. The mom, the biological mother pumped and sent the milk to these men for a really long time. Wow. Yeah. So you can also see if that's possible, if you know who the, you know, (laughs) that's obviously a totally personal thing that you'll have to work out, but it does happen. Sometimes people do that are willing to do that because see whoever's birthing that baby is going to have milk. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's going to be there. Or you could just see, you know, do you have friends, do you have family members, breastfeeding mm-hmm. community in your town that is willing to, you know, donate milk to you, anything like that. It's great. Um, great. We were talking about, you know, kind of very briefly, like same sex couples. I have had several and I always encourage them both to breastfeed. And sometimes that goes over well, sometimes it doesn't, but, um, that would be the best. 
And so if two people are feeding one baby, they're able to each maintain like what? Like a medium milk supply? Well, it might be more of like the woman that birthed is going to have, you know, obviously the more of the milk supply. Yeah. Yeah. But the woman that did not, if we encourage lactation with her, where we have her pumping and things like that to kind of, you know, encourage some milk supply to come in, that might mm-hmm. not be a full milk supply, but maybe she could kind of like, you know, those cluster feeding times, those overnight mm-hmm. feeds, like even just soothing. I had a uh, just couple nursing, nursing, yeah. Right. Just that's, I had one couple that that's what they did. Like the mom breastfed and the other mom did a lot of comfort nursing. Um, and that was, that's great. It's a great thing to do. Yeah. You can't have too many boobs. No. <laughs> <laughs> And there's your catchphrase for the day. <laughs> Badasses. You cannot have too many boobs. Four is better than two. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> if she so chooses. Because sometimes the other partner, you know, partner just doesn't want to. And that's totally fine. Oh, yeah. But if you do, I mean, that's, you know, that's great. I did. You do what you can, you can. I had a couple recently, a same-sex couple recently, where I saw the mom. And she said that her wife gave birth to their first baby and nursed him for a long time. And I said, oh, my gosh, why didn't she nurse this baby, too, with you? She goes, because she really felt like it was such a important thing for me to have the relationship one-on-one with him. Oh. She goes, I would have been fine. I thought it would be great if she would also nurse him along with me. But um, she wanted me to just have that relationship on my own with him. I mean, it's definitely a very intimate thing to work out amongst you know the couple on their own but it's it's a cool benefit that other couples don't have so yeah totally yeah yeah so it can happen and you just got to figure out what you want to do yeah so keep that in mind yeah keep that in mind so do we have time for another question absolutely all right do another question this is another question from the same from the same badass All right. So breastfeeding while traveling. I'm specifically thinking breastfeeding while going on long trips in a car or other travel where it's harder to just have your baby right there. I'm a nanny and the nanny family I work for is busy and they travel a lot. The mom was telling me that her mom told her how she would just lean over in the car on long trips and basically breastfeed while the baby was still in the car seat. Oh, obviously some of the stuff people used to do doesn't work anymore. A friend was telling me how... They had to stop for half an hour every two hours on a 10-hour drive to, to Ohio when her daughter was about three months old. Um, her grandfather had died, and really the only practical option in all other ways was driving, but it was so hard with breastfeeding an infant. I'd love to hear an episode with some pointers on that. Okay, here it is. Um, so I, I hear a lot. And see a lot of pictures of the moms leaning over the car seat, <sighs> like sitting in the back seat with the car seat and kind of like, you know, just have their boob out and leaning over. Yeah. And I feel compelled to tell you that that might not be the safest option, considering what might happen if you're in a car accident, because your body then becomes a projectile, um, even if you're buckled in. Right. You're leaning, you're leaning over your child and say your child, if they're, 
I'm sure some people mark this out when the baby is forward facing, but if we're talking about a baby, then they're going to be rear facing and you're leaning over. If you're in a head on collision, your body becomes a projectile right on top of your baby. Yeah. And so that's something you have to think about. Um, but I have leaned over the car seat and fed my child. So I'm going to say both of those things. <laughs> I take responsibility for somebody who has partaked in this practice. It's sometimes when you're in the car with a screaming baby and you're trying to get somewhere, you feel like you have no other options because your baby's screaming. Right. And it's hard to listen to a screaming baby. It's very hard. Boobs. So calm your baby. And if you have babies like mine, you can't hand them a pacifier or, you know, something like that. They just don't, they won't take it. My babies wouldn't take a pacifier. Right. Now, I can say, for me, now, as I've mentioned a zillion times, I had no idea what I was doing when I had my kids. So my first son was born in North Carolina, and he was about 10 days old when we moved back to Rochester, New York. And that drive from North Carolina to Rochester, New York, did take about three days, because I was stopping every couple hours to nurse him and change him, and, and he was literally like 10 days old. So Mm. we were doing that all the time. I had no idea, you know, um, that was hard. It really was. I have had moms that have had bottles for the baby and just pump while they're in the car. I mean, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. And they would give the baby the bottle while you're driving because you can do that safely, sit in the backseat with your baby and, and give them a bottle and then pump on your own, you know, until you get to where you're going. That's also an option of things that you can do if mm-hmm. you don't want to stop. Sometimes it's nice to stop every couple of hours anyways, though, just to kind of. Yeah. To kind of give your baby's head a break too. Cause they're leaning back on the car seat with their head resting. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's good to not leave them in that position too long. Right. And, you know, they're going to have to have a diaper change or, or you could even do a little both. You know, you could ha- give a baby a bottle and then a couple hours later stop, breastfeed them, diaper change, you know, all that stuff, um, depending on how long your trip is, too. Um, yeah, and get, and get really creative with your trips, especially if you're driving because you have total control when you're driving. Good point. You're going to know, learn, learn your baby's sleeping patterns. And when do they sleep the most? Leave then. Yeah. You know, do the big, big, the chunks of driving when they, when they normally sleep. And my family, we take road all the time. We are always in the car and we've done this a million times. And we've tried everything like driving through the night, which was horrible. I was like hallucinating by the morning Yeah, and like all kinds of things. But one thing that does work is like leaving at nap time, stopping in a hotel, spending the night, you know, leaving again the next day during nap time. And the bottom line is that traveling with a baby is really hard. Traveling with a baby, breastfeeding or not, is really, really hard. So you're you're going to not get, you know, it's not going to be like the fun road trip when you were in college and all your girlfriends were like piled in the car. Like this is different. This is going to be really hard. You know, it's going to be probably kind of stressful. Um, and you're going to have to take, maybe take, especially if you're driving, take longer than... You normally would to drive because you're going to have to stop. And I, I love hotels. I don't know why. <laughs> I just have this really weird, like little kid, like excitement when I get to hotels. 
So that's never been a problem for me. I'm like, ooh, we get to take three days to go wherever? Cool. I know. That's like lots of hotels and not as much driving and all the chunks. And then we can like go to like the local restaurants or order room service or swim in the pool and, you know, try to make it fun along the way. Yeah, it definitely it's it's overwhelming to travel um, with kids. The other thing that that can happen too, especially if your child is younger, um, that they will sleep more in the car. You know, they definitely will sleep more in the car. But once you get to where you're going, they're going to be thrown off of their regular routine. So if you're yeah. somebody who really likes the schedules and the routines and, and you kind of, you try to stick to that to give your, your life a little bit of structure, there might not be much of that, especially if you're going to a place that has a different time zone than the one you're used to. Mm-hmm. Those kids might be a yeah. little fussier, not sleeping well, because now they just slept 12 hours in the car, you know, it just... It, it just depends on um, on how far you're going and, you know, where you're going to and how old your kid is, too. I mean, if it's a newborn, it's probably going to take you longer. You're going to have to stop more. But if it's, you know, a, I don't know, three years old, probably not as bad. Yeah, that's true. Because the older they get, too, you can do, you can bust out the tablets. You can, you can manipulate the more. snacks. You know, hide it, hide these, you know, hide the good snacks for your, for the car, you know, load up on all that. I love car trips. And you love what? I love car trips. Me too. I really do. And like with kids, it's hard, but they, but as they, you know, and I still have still taken them since they were, you know, babies and until now they're only three and six, but still it's, it's already gets easier. Yeah. And I would say definitely start them young. You know, start them young. Yeah. It will get easier. My kids are fantastic. Like, I tell them all the time, like, I would not take you anywhere if you were not good in the car. And they are just, they have always been great travelers in the car. Like, they don't fight. They don't, you know, argue. They don't puke. They don't, you know, it's just like, (laughs) really, half the time we have to stop because me and Tom have to go to the bathroom. And they're, yeah, 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 yeah. My God, that's how my six-year-old is. I just hand him a tablet. He'll play games and watch movies all the time. And he's like... Oh, that was really fast. Like we drove like, well, we drove 12 hours to Annapolis last summer. And he was like, oh, that was really fast. I was like, what? (laughs) My God, we've been driving for two days, little boy. And he's like, it was no big deal. Yeah, they have zero concept of time. My daughter will (laughs) sleep the whole time. (laughs) She will sleep for 12 hours. And then because we drive to Myrtle Beach every year. 12 hours the first day. And then she'll sleep for the next, you know, four hours the next day to get there. I'm like, I don't, but as soon as she hits a car, she's, I'm like, I don't know how you're going to get your license because you can't stay awake. <laughs> like, it's crazy. But she mostly, she'll just curl herself up in her seat with her little blankets and all her stuff and that's it. She's done. It's... Yeah. And when you're flying on airplanes, you know, same rules apply. You know, bring as much stuff as you can to distract them, nurse them as much as you can. It's easier on an airplane because then you can just like, they're there. Yeah. And you can nurse them. And That'll help with like nursing helps off with taking take off and landing with the air pressure changes in the ear. So remember that. And also you are allowed to breastfeed on an airplane. Yeah. Don't let anyone tell you different. So I do have a funny story about that, that one of my clients just told me like two weeks ago. So one of my, um, one of my mamas, her baby, I want to say three or four months and her husband is military. So he's, 
pretty much here for most of the time, but he'll have to go away for a couple weeks here, a couple weeks there. And um, she went to visit her parents that live in the Midwest, and she flew with her baby by herself. So she said on the way back, this older woman was sitting next to her, and she goes, and I was trying to, like, get the cover and trying to, you know, get him situated and everything, and, and this woman was like, oh, honey, don't worry about it. It's fine. Just feed your baby. And, you know, <laughs> like, nice. that made her feel so much better. Yeah. Oh, but she also said, I, I thought this was kind of funny, she was um, flying Southwest, and, you know, you uh-huh. get to pick your own seat on Southwest. Mm-hmm. So she said on her flight down, nobody sat near her. <laughs> so she goes, I had the whole row to myself. That's great. That's true. So, yeah, if you're flying Southwest, make sure you get on early and breastfeed right away. <laughs> so that no one, so that you can have the row to yourself. Like, how great is that, you know? That's really cool. Yeah. That's yeah. So I thought that was funny. Because people do get a little high strung when they see a baby on a flight. But it's like, oh, God, she's doing something with the baby. Also, nobody wants to sit by a baby, breastfeeding or not. Right. You know, people are just like, oh, God, I want to sit by the crying baby. So it's, you know, good. Go away. Put them in a carrier. They're fine. Now, the only thing I ever worry about with mamas that travel flying is carrying breast milk. Now, TSA revamped what they do a long time ago because they kept getting sued. Because they were, like, doing crazy things with breast milk. Like, testing Mm -hmm. it and x-raying it and whatever. Which makes me absolutely crazy. Because they are not supposed to be doing this. You can carry on breast milk. This is not a problem. And... Maya, I see... Oh, sorry. No, that's okay. You can go on the TSA website. You can print out... That's what I was going to say. ...some regulations and carry it with you. Put it right on... When you're putting... When you're holding your pump... Or your pumped milk in the bag have the TSA guidelines sitting right on top. Yep. Do not. I've had emails from women saying they made me, they x-rayed my milk. Can I still give it to mm-hmm. the baby? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, and it is perfectly safe if you ever have that situation happen. But who wants to have to fight with TSA? I know. Well, because they're just, and they're, they're just awful. I mean, they, they're not trained. They're, they might be trained in a lot of things, but it's not customer service. No. You know, they're not friendly. They're like, you know, everything's a pain in the butt and they've got problems with everything. And and I get it. I get it. You know, this is like the age of like security at the airport. Like this is a reason for it. We all know the reason, you know, but, but a mom and a baby and her pump milk, like calm down. And you're trying to catch a flight, you know? Yeah. And y'all need to be trained in this. Like you should be trained, but it's the same, you know, it's the same with all of these you know, I do the same thing with police officers is that, you know, police officers there, they enforce the law, but police officers do not know every single law in the book. Mm-mm. It's impossible to know everything off the top of your head. No. So they don't know. So carry those. That's what I always say. And I do it too. I print out those, print out the guidelines and have it right there. Yeah, absolutely. Have it. Cause I mean, you don't, they are just itching to tell somebody to throw some fluid away. Right. <laughs> they are. Yep. The like fluid, throw it away. Oh my God. Yeah. Can't bring that water in. Can't do that. Can't have that. Got to throw away that lotion. Whoop. 2.5 ounces. Got to get rid of it. Like it's just (laughs) ridiculous. Yeah. So just know that you don't have to, you're perfectly safe carrying on milk. You don't have to get rid of it. No matter what they say to you. 
Yeah. And if they x-ray it, just feed it your baby. It's fine. That's fine. But still, it's just a pain. Yeah, that's not what they're supposed to do. No. And, you know, traveling is hard enough anyway. It really is. Traveling is hard. Like, if you're flying, I couldn't, I mean, like, if you're flying with kids, I've flown with my kids being little, where at least they could carry their suitcase, but, you know, you're trying to, like, make sure everybody's in the same place, nobody's wandering off with a different family, like, whatever, you know, (laughs) kind of doing our thing. But if I had an infant and a car seat or a stroller and a breast pump and, you know, like, all of this stuff, and if I were traveling by myself because my husband was out of town or for whatever reason... No way would I want to be harassed. I'm just trying to find my gate in this huge airport and make my connecting flight. Yeah. Yeah. Argue with me over breast milk. Like I know. It's so awful. And it's the thing that they're not supposed to do. It's a thing that nobody's supposed to be doing anymore and they still do it. And it makes it so hard for women who are just trying to like work. You know, women are trying to work half the time. They're going on a, you know, a business trip or something. And it's like, well, I need to pump for my baby while, while they're away. Or if you have your baby, it's even more of a headache because then you have a crying baby and your all your stuff. Right. But, I mean, it's like, could you imagine? I mean, if I was a mom who had a, you know, baby that was a couple months old and I'm still actively breastfeeding them and I had to take a work trip. I mean, it's hard enough to go back to work, let alone go out of town for your work. Ugh, I know. Leave your baby. And then have to worry about how you're going to get your milk back and who's going to feed the baby and what's going to happen. And the last thing you want to do is have to fight with the employees over there at U.S. Air or whatever. Right. Right. And by the way, all you moms who are doing that, you're amazing. Oh, my God. You deserve. I mean, we all deserve some sort of medal. But (laughs) I mean, like that is definitely one where it's like, holy cow, that's a lot. That's a lot of work to do. And I know that, like, as women, once we get dedicated, we are dedicated. But it's hard. So you got to go on doing some wonderful things for your child. Yeah. So there's no easy way to really travel with a baby. But come prepared, you know. Yeah. All all the food and the snacks if they're a little bit older. And all the boob you can manage if they're younger. Yeah. I mean, I think if you know going in. Okay, this might not be the best two days of our lives, but mm-hmm. we just got to deal with it. Right. Okay. And don't try to rush. Like, if you, you know, you got to be in, you know, across the country by tomorrow, like, don't, then you got to rethink the plans because it's just going to be super stressful. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to give yourself time. Yeah. And, you know, there was times when I didn't travel just because I felt like it wasn't worth the hassle. Totally. Nope. You know, like, I remember there was one time when my son was little. He wasn't even a year yet. And um, I think, so, you know, a family member, like a cousin or something, was getting married across the country. And, you know, we were invited. And I was just like, it's just too hard. You know, it's just too much. Yeah. It's too much. And they were kind of like, well, you know, you're going to let a baby stop you kind of thing. But yes, that's what it is to be a parent. Well, now we have to take everyone's experience into consideration and don't, you know, don't let people do that to you. Don't let people guilt trip you and all of that. Like if you decide that it's not worth it and you can't go, then tell them, I'm sorry. We'll see you next year. Yeah. And don't listen to that because that's not fair. Mm-mm. That's not fair to be guilt guilted into, you know, feeling bad or whatever about a decision you're making based on, you know, your new baby. Screw that. I know. I agree. 
screw that. That's your take home for today. <laughs> That's all it's about. Yeah. Uh, so I hope everybody learned a little something. We were kind of like, you know, we, Abby and I debated, should we do both these questions today? Because they're two totally different questions, but I'm kind of, I'm glad we did. And plus they were from the same person. So I think that was, yeah, I think it's fine. Yeah. You get two for one. Two for one, and there's something for everybody here at the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast. That's right. But send us your questions, send us your everything. Oh, and give us reviews. We like that, too. Yeah, you need to. Yes, yes, please. Yeah. Please please write a review on iTunes um, if you have iTunes. I think on the other place that we published on Buzzsprout, I don't think there's a place to do that on there. But on iTunes, there is. And if you can, please write a quick review. You don't have to write an, a novel, just, you know, a quick review of what you think. We would really appreciate it. Yeah, that helps us a lot. So, uh, help. yeah. So that'd be awesome. Thank you. And we will catch you all next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>